Hello ladies and gents and welcome to episode 23 of the Urban Homestead in UK podcast. Hello everyone, how are you doing? Are you alright Mike? How are you doing? Alright. <laughs> Come on listen, get your sound by here mate. I'll right. tell you what, this is good. we got on, on location today. Here we go. Here get we that. go. Here we go. Here it is. Shed of dreams mate now. Well, it's not the shed of dreams. This is my work, my little tidy mini ship. Now I've got to set the scene, ladies and gents. So we've come up to Mike's allotment today, uh, do a bit of recording for a change, just for a change of scenery. And uh, so I'm knee deep in weeds, as you might imagine. Uh, there there's you. dock everywhere. There's, there's like I'm standing in a patch of clover. That is green Absolute manure, mate. Mess. Absolutely. <laughs> not really. Not really at all. You are we'll standing put, on some green manure. I am standing on some green manure. We'll put some pictures up though. Because uh, we've got Mike's little shed of dreams here, and we're at the allotment, and we've got. Uh, oh, do you want to tell us about what we've got here, mate? You want to, what's going on? Well. When I first took over, it was going to be grand plan, wasn't it? Six yep. new beds and then woods come along at the same time. So yep. it's very much a sort of halfway house, really, because this time next year, I'd like to be looking at a new bed at the back there. This yep. fruit tree will get moved and there'll be another one there. So I'll have yep. these sort of, I'll have six big beds and then maybe keep these two smaller ones this end. Yep. You know, and very much this little half plot, and it probably is an even a half plot, I don't it's think. It's a lot smaller than my half plot yeah. is. Probably half the size of my half plot. Yeah, even. I think I think that this one was one. Yeah. I think it's a quarter actually. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah. But for yeah. what I can get out of it and what I want it for, it's actually exactly right. Yeah. Because with all the goodwill in the world, managing this and my plot of woodland and my home beds, mm. it's just not reasonable for me at the moment where mm. I'm at. And so, as you guys know, I'd wanted to do, you know, things here which once they're in, they're in. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. And I feel like I've kind of got halfway there. I've got a big old empty bed in front of us, which I'm hoping to grow some spring cabbages in if I can work out how to stop them getting eaten. But, yeah. But other than that, the sweet corn's up. Mate, I've got sweet corn envy. It's as tall as me. I'll tell you Taller what, than me, in fact. See, tasseling up already. Yeah, a couple of good ears on there already. That's looking and great. You know that week when, this is what I'm saying about good and the bad, that week when something got, when, when everything got fried in my greenhouse, yeah, 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 yeah. the sweet corn was like, nah, we love it. <laughs> it was like, Come on down, you know. And that so is what you want, Because I've done it nice and early, um, I've bought some good seed this year to try and see if it made any difference. And, yeah. it, and it has made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I bought some really good quality F1. And as you can see now, might even go and put the old mic up there, get a little flutter in there. And that is literally oh, the wind. I don't know wind. if I can hear that, mate. Yeah, but anyway, of course still. Will. That's the wind going through pollinating. My phone's all covered in pollen now, mate. What's going on? Pollinating everything. So I've got a, probably a metre and a half by a metre and a half square bed. Yep. A lot, two, of, a lot of sweet corn in there as well. I've rammed it in, in yeah. I've really rammed it in. Seems to have though. Well, it's because they're in solid, well-rotted yeah. manure. That's yeah. it. They're not. That is what that whole yeah. bed is filled for. But I did it to do it like this. Yeah. You know, um, I wanted to do that. You know, so that is in. And the thing about close planting is, I've got no weeds, mate. No. You know. No, nothing's growing in there. There's no no light getting down to the ground there no, at all, is there? Absolutely not. But they no. are what seven? Nearly that one must be seven yeah. foot. Yeah, oh yeah, I just think so. Yeah. That's seven foot. So then I've got a couple of small beds now where I've, you know, I'd, I'd already tried to sow some carrots in here and then they got fried. So I'm going to re-sow that probably today. Yeah. Um, I put my leeks in last week and I think that they're looking all right. They're looking great, mate. Again, they're a lot bigger than mine. Yeah. And again, I planted them pretty close together. Yeah. And um, in a bed, probably the similar size. Yeah, about and five foot square, isn't it? about 70 in there, maybe. Yeah. Maybe even a few more. But... Again, that's just to tie me over. And then the two other full beds are literally potatoes. So I've yeah. got a, a big bed of earlies and a big bed of main crop. Um, and that's all there is here is a bit of rhubarb there at the moment mm. and some plums that are on the plum tree. But again, that yeah. will move. Yeah. But the idea is that then I'll mirror in this gap here. Yeah. This will come out. This little non-bed will come out. 
I'm really just trying to save the crowns for next year, if yep. I'm honest with yeah. you. The two crowns will probably move into the small bed which I've left green manured. Yeah, yeah. For, for rhubarb there. Yeah. And then I'll mirror that bed here. Yeah. And then I'll mirror that bed there. Well, I'll tell you, we'll have to get some pictures when we finish today because I think so for people to get an idea, I'll get those up on the Facebook group so when they're listening they can yeah. actually have a look. Yeah. Uh, perhaps even do a little video. That might be a better way to do it. Yeah, as long as I'm not video. in it, mate. Face well, to be fair, I don't want to break my camera either. Um, so it's looking good though, mate, isn't it? I'm loving the spuds. I think the healthy growth has been really nice. And, you know, certainly I'll give a big shout out to Rob who really did help me move yeah. a lot of this soil. Yeah. And it's, well, that's what it was like. Yeah. You know, we'll so show just, you. So it's basically got a bit of black plastic on the ground and some stuff, heavy stuff holding it down. Yeah. And, and a little bit of weedy growth around the edge, but but it doesn't look good. No, that's quite good soil under there, mate. Yeah, I, was, like, yeah, I don't feel sorry for you. It, 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 was, <laughs> it was literally a kind of clay sub base under oh, there. Okay, yeah, yeah. There was nothing. Almost there, mate. looks like someone stood a greenhouse on it, mate. All that pebbles on it there. Well, that's the only other thing I thought I might put there, actually. Oh, yeah, could do. Get good no, size greenhouse on that. If I got one second hand, and even if I just netted it, it yeah. would work, but. But I'm happy with what I'm doing. And, yeah. and the idea is that when I look here, the one thing that's not here, you know, two big beds of onions. Yeah. I'll be there then. Yeah, you've got everything. You know, you've got no carrots here, mate. What are you doing? And that's what I'm going to try and sow today. Okay. But, and I'll come back to the reason for this being what it is, the carrots are quite a needy crop. The yeah. weeding needs to be done well yeah. at, the, at, at the beginning. Yeah. They need a lot of hand weeding. They need a lot of watering at the beginning. The soil needs to be deep and friable. This has had a lot of muck on it, so it's probably not ideal. This green manure now, I think I could put carrots in. Yeah, you put and, them in there. And this was probably what I might try. Is where my earlies are coming out. Put a few rows in there as they go. As I go, I could sow them yeah. all in there. And it's deep enough here. I'm not sure that is deep enough, that one behind us. But mm. I think that it could be all right for over... Because there's a lot of muck in this one. Mm. And nothing's grown in it. So maybe my cabbage is there which I'm going to grow really closely planted so muck's under. really good for the cabbages with all the nitrogen in it, so that's, it's a good combination. Though. If you've got pure manure, that's where you get your leafy vegetables to work well. Yeah, and I've got, I don't know what the carrot root flies here. I, I haven't got a clue, no. but I think if I sowed them late, I've missed the first lot at least. Yeah. But in here, I thought, you know, even if I just grew two long rows under, I've got two tunnels, mesh tunnels. Yeah. And if all I do is closely plant my cabbages, which we were talking about with succession last yeah. time, they're not going to heart up, they're going to be for spring greens. Yeah. And then I've got something here with the leeks, I can come up and pick yeah. some leeks and some spring greens. And I, I think that that will work really well. Absolutely. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's some sort of, I don't even know what that is, a bit of wax. Yeah. But this is a very small site, isn't it? It is, it is. I think there's about 20 plots. Yeah. But one of the things that I, you know, is highlighted to me coming up here is I like looking around at other people's and seeing how they do it, you know, and obviously people have got more time or whatever, mm. but there isn't here, there isn't any kind of snobbery about who looks better or whatever. No. People can look at, mine is an untidy site. Yeah. But I reckon my, my sweet corn looks really good. Yeah, and yeah, My spuds yeah. look really good. You yeah. can't deny that bit of it. And, uh, yeah. And uh, you know, it's about it's about people using it for what they want, and I really like that. Yeah. Come up here and strim. I don't know it. I strim it. You know. Yeah. yeah. And it'll probably need to go by this weekend again. Oh, um, it's looking really good though. From where it was, mate, you have got some stuff growing in some, here. There's something growing here. Some beds I going. And it's not. I'm not tickling it, mate. No. They're my leeks for the year. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Um, and I can see very easily how it's a shame that these weren't in parallel. You know, just because of my uh, my 
I sort of. I didn't even notice, mate. I've got to be honest. Wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if I had two, two, two onion, then two spud, and then something else here, and then every three years? Yeah, it's, be, it's easier for succession, yeah. but it won't make any difference. But the, um, but the other crop that I'll grow next year is I'm going to grow some borlotta. Yeah. But I won't put them up canes. No. I'm going to just do a because that's a big bed. Yeah. You know that's a lot of dwarf borlotta yeah. in there. Yeah. And and once they're up, I don't think I'll have to worry about weeds coming through. No. And I just think I'll let them sit here and they'll dry. Yeah. And I'll just shell all the beans. And, yeah. and so, you know, one, one like that, I don't think I'm ever going to need more than that for, for leeks, really. No. That's about as many leeks as we eat here. Yeah. And I know that the sweet corn will all be a little bit all at once and then it's all over. Yeah. But I like that. Live on sweet corn for well, a month. I'll tell you what, it's great stuff, isn't it? You can't, can't get better straight off the plant. Well, I want to get a barbecue up here. Yeah. Because I've never had... You know, like that. I've always had to take it home. Yeah, I want to do the. I no. want to do the picket on the barbie. Yeah, that's, that's the way to go, mate. That is living. But yeah, that is living. So marvelous. I would, I would say five meters by fifteen. That's what I yeah. measured it. Yeah. Um, and, and and I was very lucky that some of the beds were here. I've I've built three big ones. and I've got two more to go. Um, but I was lucky that the infrastructure's here. So you know, like even this bit of. I can't tell you how important this mesh is at the end, mm. just to stop the wind coming right so across. So it's just a bit of that shading netting, isn't it? Yeah. You've got down there, but it's, it's just in the right spots to stop the wind blowing straight yeah, through. Yeah, and it's all around the side. So just yeah. with my strimmer, I'll move up. The one thing I'd have to do is pick a load of timber up, but I've kept yeah. it because it would probably be useful for something. At some point, you're bound to need it, absolutely. I put up a tiny shed, which has got my barrow in it, and yeah. hand tools, and my little stove. Yeah, lovely. But yeah. Nice. The gate even will be in Good. Have a little walk round. We'll have a walk round. Yeah, let's have a wander around, shall we? And you know, I don't think I've looked. I don't think there's any evidence of early blight here. Well, well I don't know about here, but at my my allotment, they have a. It was up on the whiteboard at the weekend. I went up there. We got a little blackboard rather at the yeah. uh, at the shed, the main shed. And uh, there's a sign up on there saying there's blight on a couple of plots. And right. it, as it transpired, there was blight on some of my tomatoes as well. And I got down there. But it's so long. Um, you, you don't you underestimate what you learn, don't you? Mm. So I'm looking now at someone else's plot, and their peas look great. Yeah. I'm thinking, do you know what? The pigeons haven't hammered them. No. And they're out in the open. Yeah. So, so that's doable then here. Yeah. Obviously, and the uh, and their onions are ready. But yeah. You know, at home, I couldn't I couldn't have that crop at home. No. My, mine would get obliterated. Mine would get obliterated in my allotment as well. Though. They look quite good, them peas, yeah. don't they? Really good. <laughs> they do. <don't> <laughs> We've got some currents there all netted over. Yes. So and this there time of year, lots of birds here because yeah. we are surrounded on three sides. Yeah, by wood. it's a wood, yeah. woodland, yeah. isn't it? There's some really, yeah, some really nice beans growing. Lots of poles and beans and stuff, just to give you an idea of what's going on. Funnily enough, Al, this is where you've got your idea, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've got the idea for my raised beds or the, the netting over top of it. Yeah. And um, I do like the bubble. So I'm not sure this one's been done as much, but. This, Still a good crop of spuds in there. Yeah, there is, isn't there? Someone's been using it. Yeah. This one is waiting a bit. Yeah. Strawberries are up, though. Yeah. This is lovely, the nasturtiums oh, in that. Beautiful, isn't it? Nice? Wasn't it? And that's the one thing that really stands out here is there's lots of, particularly the plots by the the entrance, lots of flowers in there. There's an awful lot there. of flowers here, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I think that there's some people. To be honest with you, when I when I come up here, it isn't that kind of probably more more traditional view of, a, of old boys coming up here mm. it's couples up yeah, here yeah. and yeah. and um, you know they seem to take turns maybe one does one one week and then one yeah. the other and yeah. like the chap who I was who's next door to me he's, they've just had a new baby and he right. was like they take turns just to come up here and have a bit of time away just sometimes yeah. Yeah. yeah this is um, Carol's one here oh yeah, yeah. 
Lovely, isn't it? It's looking really good. Lots so of lovely onions in I there. I wanted to show you these. Oh, okay. So these are packing crates. Yeah. Um, I've seen them on Facebook Marketplace a bit. Yeah. But the chap who's running this says he can get me some of these for nothing. Wow. And I think what they are are um, packing crates that go on a pallet. Yep. So And they stack up so you can make compost bins out of them. Yep. Perfect for that. But, um, yeah, these are probably some of them. So they're, they're big boxes. They're made out of, looks a bit like a scaffold board, I suppose. This is probably some of They're hinged in all four corners. Yeah, and they're quite and they robust, like they're, don't they? They look like they're sections, so you can take an actual section off. Yep. Actually, make it as short or as tall as you like. So in terms of getting your compost in and out, it's well easy, isn't it? Yeah, lift it's them a great up. idea. So um, he's going to get me a few of those. Yeah. And it might be that I take a couple of them home, or I might, you know, I might even replace the Tesco crates around my car. No! Make it look you can't do it, mate. <laughs> they are a bit nicer, aren't they? They're a lot nicer. <laughs> a lot but, nicer. Uh, yeah, it just that is some show nasturtiums there, isn't it? Isn't it? They're lovely. Well, the only thing, um, cabbage whites like them. Oh, they're a good sacrificial crop. They are, aren't and they? you can eat them as well. Yeah, they're very peppery, aren't they? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's just lovely looking around, isn't it, and seeing different people's plot and how they do it. It's, it's nice to come and look at a different allotment site as well. It's very different to mine, and your soil here will be very different. Well, well I, I actually think that this was a wood. Yeah. And I think they just scraped out the top. Yeah. I don't actually think there was any topsoil. Right, there. okay. And then what they do is that every year they have 14 ton truck deliver a load yeah. of green waste. Yeah. And then they all chip in for it. Yeah. Um, that comes every year. I missed it this year, as you know. Yeah. But between that and the manure that you can get from local stables, that's probably what most people are growing on. But yeah. one thing which might be a bit different to you, Al, is that. It's actually a communal compost bin here. Yeah, it's very different. So I think that what they what they have said is that there's some of the compost bins, some people have got them. Yeah. But it has encouraged vermin. Right. And there was a guy here who kept chickens for a while right. and they didn't want them anymore. So, right. so what they've done now is that we're all encouraged to use, and they're pretty big yeah. down there, and someone manages them. So it's not right, just chuck okay. it all on. There's like one that's, one that's cooking, yeah. one that's cooked, and one that's being built. Yeah. And so... Everyone just wheels down to the bottom, which is, you know, it's a, it's a good way of doing it. But, uh, you know, it's not written in law or anything. No. If I wanted to have a compost bin on mine, then I could. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then this one here, just, you know, it's a place for people to come and sit. It's a yeah. lawn, isn't it? You yeah. Know? Have a barbie and what have you. That's, I think that's kind of lost sometimes in, when you think about allotments. It's a leisure garden. And in fact, my allotment society is the Allotment and Leisure Garden Society in my hometown. Mm. And that notion of actually somewhere we go to have a nice time. Yeah. It's not just to go and work and grow and whatever. There's no, a lot well, more to it than that, isn't I there? I totally so. agree. I'm going to try yeah. and get us a tiny place to sit in the oh, shade. Mate. Okay, mate. Well, we'll just record the pause there for a moment and come back in a second. Okay, and we're back. So, um, in general terms, mate, just go back to our normal sort of thing. How have things been with you? Yeah, it's been all right. Things have started to be a little bit easier to manage, and that's primarily because the work at the woodlands has slowed now. We've okay. cut and split everything, and yeah. really, really late getting that done. But, like I say, you just do what you can. And yeah. um, that's meant that I have been able to come up here and just start... You know, my mind hasn't been so cluttered, and certainly, certainly after our last recording about... Um, successional sowing I, mm. I sort of feel like I'm finally getting there with that mm. you know um, I've been reading my book so I know what to do and what's coming and stuff like that so that I feel like I've got an awareness of how to 
make sure that when the sweet corn comes out, there's something there, or when the yeah. You know, when the earlies are out, I've got an idea of what's going in there rather than scrabbling around at the time. So yeah. that's what I've been doing mainly. And um, I have to say, I haven't been out. I've, I had to buy a new sight for me gun and I've got it on there. So I haven't popped that bunny that I thought I was going to oh, get. But that'll yeah. be this week, mate. Yeah, it's been a bit of a funny time, isn't it? Because I, I was going to do some, um, and we'll talk about bees a bit later on, but I sort of said last time I was going to document that I was going to make sure I did some queen rearing. Yeah. And then the weather from the week following that wasn't ideal and the time we had chance right. to go and do it. And then... When we did have a chance to go and do it, the realisation was that actually by the time those queens are being reared and we need to start actually working with them and moving them out, I'm actually going to be away on holiday. Yeah, so and it's, it's just, so life just got, got in the way. So, But that's realistic for a lot of people, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I just took the decision that we'll wait for that and do it another time. We've got all the gear there, we're ready to go when the spring comes around again next but year. But we have been very lucky over the last three weeks, two or three weeks, with splits yep. and, and swarms. Yep. You know, and one yep. turned up at my house and... Hope you'll put a video of that up so people can watch yeah. that coming in in the garden and me getting thoroughly excited. Well, every every um, walk away split so far we've done this year, touch wood, has yeah. been has been successful. So what are we up to now? We are last count. I reckon we're on fifteen colonies. We had a great weekend for that because we had the swarm at work yeah. that just turned up. Yeah, and was flying around. That was really nice. And then uh, that just flew straight into one of our boxes. That was just yeah. easy bees. Yeah. Lovely, and then uh, well, you had one at the weekend, didn't yeah, you? So, freebies, yeah, freebies, <laughs> literally. literally. Yeah, so from that point of view, where well, we sort of had that difficult start to the year, um, actually, we've caught three swarms. I think we made about three or four splits. Yeah, back I've up done to that, 15. that. And the one that when I went and the hives were tipped over, they I've been up there twice. I've not gone in them purposefully. No. Yeah, I'm going to give them the best chance to be yeah. settled. Yeah, queen, if she they raise a new queen to go out, get mated, all uh, you know, because we we sacrificed a honeycomb crop knowing that we were going to hopefully have colonies yep. for yep. next year and yep. you know given that we've maybe got five or six new colonies mm. i mean next year they should be oh, showing really like good. billy ocean yeah. they we should be well, having a bumper year in terms of the management of the colonies that we've got i've gone out of my way this year to make splits where in the past we'd have left colonies to mm. raise honey I don't um, think we're going to be that shy, though. I don't think we're going to. I haven't be too... done a lot of supering, though. Have you? I've done quite a bit of supering, but there's not much in many mm. of them. There's, you know, there's going to be bits and pieces. Rather than getting a super and half of a colony, yeah, we might get a few frames from here and a few frames from there, and then perhaps a super from this one. Mm. Um, but we've already extracted a super honey this year, of course, to remember. Yeah. Uh, remember that, and and uh, so I was looking at it and thinking, well, if we if we've got honey in stock and store, uh, if we don't get loads this year, it's not the end of the world. Oh. Um, and we just make sure we've got loads of bees. So I literally went out of the way. So all of the strong colonies that I've got, and that was the other thing with the, with the queen rearing is we made that we made a split with a view to doing the queen rearing. Yeah. Um, and it didn't work in the way that we wanted it to. It wasn't strong enough to actually manage the the, the queen rearing part of it. Because mm. um, ideally, when you're queen rearing, what you actually want to do is create an artificial swarm and take the queen away. Well, we couldn't find her. Um, so that was that really. We spent ages doing it. In the end, we just we'll make a split and we'll hope we're lucky. And, mm. and as it turned out, we weren't. Um, but subsequently, that very small colony started making queen cells. Yeah, you obviously jolted so, them into action, mate. Well, at least they'll start making queen cells, and we'll get hopefully that colony come good. Uh, and we haven't lost anything with the parent colony we took them from. No. So we may well get honey from that. I know we've got honey from another one. Um, so that yeah, it's not going to be terrible. It's just not going to be. But we both looked up, didn't we? And we saw where we were at with <laughs> our supply of honey for next year, and yeah. we could probably do a miss year anyway, couldn't we? Let's be honest, oh, yeah. and uh, yeah. we'd still be okay. So it's that yeah. whole, yeah, having a bit put by to yeah. sort of tide you over on leaner times or leaner years, and you know, looking around. I tried to grow sweet corn last year, and it was terrible. This yep. year, it's all right. Yeah, my leeks were good last year. Hope these ones will be okay. Yeah, but yeah. you never know, do yeah. you? And there was just sometimes things. 
things seem to work and they don't work, you know. I do think it's been a good potato year this year. Has it? Which is surprising me because with the rain and the heat, mm. I mean, it must have been like the most perfect conditions for blight. Touch well, we've had, like there. I say, we've had blight of the allotment where I am, but it's been on, mainly on tomatoes. There were some on the on the potatoes. My understanding is they're different. They're not mm. the same. So um, you can get both. Well, I was going to grow sarpo, but I didn't get sarpo in the end. I couldn't find them more. And and, and it wasn't until I went back and looked, because if you'd have asked me last week, I said, yeah, I'm growing sarpo mirror out there. But I'm not. I'm growing um, Aaron Pilot as my early. And I'm growing Pentland Crown as my main crop this year. And I, do you know what? I couldn't tell you what the properties are of them. (laughs) They're just going to be going in, whatever they are. They're going to be spuds. But they they should grow well in that. and, And looking at increasing that to three, you know, a bit... A whole bed of earlies is probably a bit much for us, mm, okay. but we will eat them. Mm. But I want to be able to eat them early enough, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've still got September. You get your main crop out, really, didn't you? Yeah. So yeah. I've still got you know a good six weeks of it. So it mm. probably would work out about right. I'll give a few away in here and there. So by the time I get to the end of that bed there, and I'll have sowed most of it with carrots, hopefully, I'll be ready to spring into the main mm. crop. I didn't do the second earlies. Um, but it could be that, you know, it, it could be that next year I'll do three and then maybe look for a, the, probably the best storing potato I can find yeah. to then have them to last maybe, you know, a bit after Christmas if I could. My spuds normally last me till January, hmm. but it'd be nice to have that February, March bit covered. Just, yeah. But, you know, I think your storage conditions have to be right, though. But yeah, they do. I mean, your other options you were saying earlier off, off air was, you know, go down the Christmas potato route. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't manage to plant um, some of my earlies, and well, they've just sat in the shed. <laughs> and they could literally just go in there, and then I could... Well, to be honest with you, mate, I'd probably just plant them where I've done them up. Spots were. Yeah, do, yeah. That. do that. <laughs> and, then, and then have a successional yeah. crop of earlies later on. And I don't see why that wouldn't work if you can grow them for Christmas. I've done it before. Yeah. Um, with mixed success. Right. But I did get some. Yeah. No, okay. so, you know, and then I found a load more in the spring. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> but, well, maybe, you know, that's maybe, normal, isn't it? Maybe I won't do that. But, <laughs> I think so, I'll have had enough of my own spuds yeah. for then, to be fair. But, yeah. but so for, what are you harvesting? you got your early spuds, you're saying. What else? I'm getting a lot of, I mean, the early potatoes are all ready now. Yeah. And they're lovely. And to be honest with you, for the first three days, that's what I ate. Mm. It was literally mint, potatoes, butter. Just sat down to a bowl of that, man. Take some, <laughs> take some beet and a bit of salt pepper. <laughs> I can hear something having a little munch up while I'm down here. It's, it's definitely something eating my sweet corn. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's quite good to have two on one there, isn't it? Yeah. They're really doing all right. Um, at home, I've, uh, my courgettes are going mad. Are they? So you're harvesting courgettes now, are you? Yeah. yeah. Like, and if I leave them for three days, I'm, I've got too many. Okay. So. Harvesting courgettes... The good old Oregon sugar pod, man. Yeah. Woohoo! That is yeah. going like the clappers. And because I've managed to totally net it, yeah. you know, it's not getting hammered by the birds. I'd say it's about six foot high. Oh, really? It's bonkers. Wow. Absolutely bonkers. And I'm growing probably a metre by a metre 20 square. Yeah. And I'm picking... I think, oh, it might be a grass or that. And I'm picking, you know, a bowl of it a day. Yeah. You know, and the kids yeah. eat a lot of it raw. Yeah. I like it. I have to say, I probably prefer the Oregon sugar pod cooked, you know, like in a stir fry or something mm-hmm. like that. So just about Or with cooked. pasta. Yeah. Something like that. So yeah. I'm eating that. I've got... My, my lettuces have not been great. I did miss some weeks of sowing and, and I have felt the gap there. Yeah. So um, my salad my salad leaf hasn't been brilliant, but my I've got some really good parsley and some really good... Um, Rocket, yeah. so I've just been back filling with that, yeah. and I'm using sorrel and 
yeah. fat hen out of the backfield and yeah. stuff like that. But the actual lettuce is just starting to come up and it's near, you know, not come up, it's ready to, I've had about three weeks where I've not picked any. Yeah. And that might be something to do with the heat though, you know, because they don't like it all, do they? They, they? they really don't like it. Some of the germination has struggled a bit. Not like it's been this week, mate, no. I don't no. like it like this. So I'm getting that. I've got carrots ready. Yep. And I grew those carrots in the beds that I made last year at home. I didn't know if they would even grow in it because mm. I, it was pure muck last yeah. year. I didn't know if it would be too still too hot. Yeah. Yeah. But I turned it and dug them in, and they're growing in probably 10 inches of soil, yeah. early nant variety, and they are really good. And so they, when you pick them now, they're a good carrot, for, you know, about the, about the thickness of your thumb. So yeah. I'm taking out all the big ones now. Yeah, yeah. So it's a form of thinning out, but I sowed very, very thinly. Yeah. So. so they're all right. Um, what else have I got coming? I, that's what I'm eating mainly. Yeah. So I've got a few carrots. Oh, I've got all my overwintering onions are ready. Yeah. So they're ready. Um, and then I would say within a fortnight, I'll be picking my first lot of dwarf French beans. Yeah. And they're just in those green crates. Um, and everything else won't be ready, but like my chilies and all that, they're flowering now. Yeah. I haven't had a tomato yet. Oh. Have you had one? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a few now. Um, Tomatoes, I'm upset though, right? Because by now we should be well into harvesting tomatoes as far as I'm concerned. Well, you should be. You I would normally be, yeah. I'll I'll be well in there normally. About two weeks behind, mate. Um, so 30th of June, the last couple of years, I've managed to get you know, ripe tomatoes. And I've had the cherry tomatoes, the first one last weekend. Um, but I've got a few more out there now and yeah. they're starting to come. I've got a lot on. I've got a lot of fruit on. I've got a lot of flour yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing slightly less than I have done previously yeah. and just... Because I'm growing more sweet peppers this year, I thought okay. I'd give them a whirl and see yeah. how they go. And and the things that I've struggled with previously seem to be doing really well, you know. So the tomatoes they look okay. Yeah. But the cucumber in my greenhouse is doing well. Yeah. And you know it's got a lot of yeah. a lot of cucumbers on it. And um, and the chilies, I've just gone down to a couple because I always have too many, like we said. Yeah. And and the sweet peppers that I've got four or five of, I want to see how many I get. Yeah. Is it worth it? You know. Yeah. But. They seem to be growing. They look really healthy and they're doing really well. So um, that that's all to come, you know. Yeah. Well, I've I've had carrots and let you know the cut and come again lettuce and all that. My first lot of monge two is done now. I've had them is out it? now. Yeah, they're done. But the second lot's coming, but I didn't stake those as well, so they're not they're not supported as well. So they're kind of sprawling all over the place. They're not okay. doing great, but I just ran out of time, you know. That is. Um, broad beans are just starting to finish now. Right, okay. I've had a good crop of those this year, though. I've managed to get a few in the freezer for later. And that's on. something else I thought I could put in there, but it's yeah, a bit early. A bit too early for that, yeah, isn't it? Uh, I've had all my garlic out since we last spoke, I think. A nice crop of garlic and some good mm. cloves as well. When I've yeah. done it in the past, they've been really small and not Yeah, great, not did you space while. them out a bit more and stuff? Uh, not massively, but I just think um, I got them in a bit later, later than I probably should have done, and I, I think I might try mm. overwintering, but that variety that you gave me some of was far superior to the ones I bought. Solon White. Yeah, and that's gone really well. So I'm going to save Solon some of those. White and but there maybe there's a story in that in that that was Solon White that I bought which was obviously bred for this climate. Yeah. The first lot I had out last year, mm. they weren't that great. Yeah, yeah. They were small. Yeah. But then when you've planted them on right, second okay. year, yeah, yeah. they've come good, haven't they? Yeah, they have, they have. And I've had some really lovely garlic this year. It's been really I did get a lot nice. of them. Yeah. But um but they weren't the biggest cloves. I can't be doing with a faff when the cloves are tiny of yeah. peeling every yeah. individual little yeah. one. So they're, they're useful for like curries and not curries, um, gravies and that sort of thing. Bunging a whole lot in Bung, there. Just cut it in half and chuck it in but then make the gravy out of it. But I, other than that, I wouldn't bother with them. But these ones have come up lovely, so they're yeah, really useful. Perfect. Well, that, you know, looking at my leeks there and the size of the beds that I'm going to be growing in, 
growing a bed of half leeks and half garlic, I could see the value in mm. that. You know, the one that we're looking the at bigger here. Beds, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I could I could maybe go half and half because I don't need as much garlic as you. Mm. That small bed there behind you would probably be enough garlic for me because that's yeah. that's roughly what I was growing them in before. And yeah, whereas I reckon I need I've, I've done two beds about the same size as that for mine, but only one of them really came good. So I've got a little bit. I haven't got enough for the year, but I've got a good amount to get us through for a bit. Mm. Um, so that's been good. I've had my gooseberries. They've come. There's nice, nice pink gooseberries that I've got, so I've had those off, and they're going to go in the freezer for when I get a chance to use them. Uh, well, so I've been harvesting cabbages, so like white shredding cabbages. Oh, I've been eating cabbage. Yeah, and the greyhounds come good as well. It's been nice. I think you gave me some greyhounds, yeah. and then the ones that balled up. Funnily enough, some of the ones that balled up, they got battered by slugs. Yeah. So I've had to peel off probably a third of the outside yeah. leaves, but inside they're fine. Yeah. And then you shred them up. Um, mm. But the ones next door, which are the greyhounds. They have done really well, and yeah. they're ready now. Yeah, yeah. But they're a bit more looser and a bit more of a cone shape in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, they are. They're yeah, cone, cone shape. I've, I've had some that have not coned up. No. But, but they're perfectly edible. Yeah, and then just I've shred had them other, up. Others that have come up lovely. And then the, the, the white cabbage, the Primo, I've had some nice, like, small football-sized mm. cabbage, really good cabbages, so I'm really pleased with those. So I've done some of those, and then I knew that I'd missed the boat a bit with, the, with regards to some of the cabbages. Yeah. But then... This is where it comes. Having a daughter who works in a garden centre is yeah. quite good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's so useful. she can tell me what's good then, what's going yeah. out. And then, and I literally went along there at the weekend and I picked up 12 Tundra or mm. Virtus or oh, yeah, yeah. whatever they are. They're a Savoy. Yeah. And they were, you know, silly, like six for a pound yeah. or something like yeah. that. Um, and they were a little bit, they were in the sort of smaller, um, maybe an inch by an inch little root trainery ones. yeah. 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 So I just, I, you know, hopefully it won't be too pot bound. I got them out. They didn't look pot bound when I got them out, and I've yeah. immediately planted them into some nice big pots. Yeah. Um, and I will probably try and grow them at home. I think. Mm. I don't think I'll grow them here, even though here's probably better. But I would need to. I'd have to make a cage here, wouldn't I? There's yeah. no, there's nice. no way in the winter they're going to survive the pigeons. That's what slowed me down, mate. And the reason why some of my stuff's a bit behind this year is I was building cages. Yeah, you were so Next year I'll be that. better set up, hopefully. But the, the problem's going to be with my succession plan is that the cages won't be in the right place next year, so I'll have to build some more anyway until mm. the old thing's caged, yeah, probably. Well, but at least it's got right. the capacity to be caged in. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I'm, think, I'm thinking about what I want to grow and what... Because I, I suppose I got a bit put off from the ones that I did at work with the Brussels sprouts in them and the purple sprouting broccoli yeah. they didn't last mate they weren't and, and and i don't think that i didn't build them robustly enough they just they weren't good enough mm. i think it was that you know so i'm looking at maybe going back to the tunnel cloches that i've got a couple of yeah that i can just maybe grow underneath and you know they're not going to look tidy and i'm sure i'll lose a bit from you know mold and mildew if they haven't got the right airflow but mm. i think for me here mm. knowing that they're under it and that nothing can get in there is probably what I need. What's that? Or oh, those timbers you've got there, mate? You've got enough there to make a little cage over yeah, top of this Yeah, make a little, yeah, could it's make just up. the netting, and like I say, I'll bring you some, so. Yeah, and that could work, but it, you know, it, uh, for the pigeons, yeah, but for the cabbage whites, yeah, mate, you, so hard. I've, you, there's no way you're keeping the cabbage whites no. out. I've made those amazing cages that I've got, and I'm well pleased with them. And as far as I'm, I can tell when I'm building them, there's no way the cabbage whites are getting in there. No, they do. And I went out there the other day and there's one flying around in there just like sticking his fingers up at me, having a lovely time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. they're still in there. There's yeah. no way I was getting, you know, I can kick them out. So, so, I, so. I, I'm, I really want to grow cabbages because yeah. they are, I love them. Yeah. And with carrots and onions, I'm set then. Yeah. I don't need a lot more than that, yeah. really, if I'm honest. Yeah. You know, it's nice to have different things, beans mm. and courgettes and summer fruit mm. and stuff, but... But for the winter, I like to know that I can go out and get a dinner. You yeah. 
Yeah. And if I've got onions and carrots, garlic maybe, yeah. and cabbage, I'm solid with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I'd more or less decided that I was going to just grow chard at home mm. because I can eat chard like cabbage. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love yeah. it. Uh, but I've only got one decent bed at home in the winter. Yeah. And I think that I will probably put all of that either down to spring greens yeah. or um, chard yeah. at home. Yeah. So then that leaves me with the space that I've got here. But I just think that perhaps not trying to grow big hearting cabbages will probably be paid dividends. So planting them very close together so they don't heart up and they are just spring greens. And I don't see a problem with that. Yeah. So I have sown literally half a pack of Durham early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've done a lot of sowing as well, because after we last spoke about succession, it's like practice what you preach. Yeah. So if I went and I was sowing a load of all sorts of things, like some pak choy and some Cavallon Nero, and I've got some other bits and pieces on the go for, for succession, for stuff that's coming out at the end of the summer. And I've also been planting out the bigger plants that I had that were like six inches yeah, tall. Yeah, you had a lot though, didn't you? I had a lot, and I've been trying to get them in the ground because I'm away on holiday in a week's time or so. And... Um, Got to try and get as much of that in the ground as possible. I might have to ask you if you are about, if you might act as a nurseryman for my, some of my plants, if I could bring a few trays over to you yeah, just to keep fine. them going, if you wouldn't mind. That's a lot of pressure there, you know. Well, no pressure. No I've got pressure. no net. No? What have you got? Uh, well, it'd be, it'd be half trays of various different bits that are going to go in later on in the year. Are they, are they going my greenhouse, but they're cooking there. No, they just, just need to go somewhere. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure we'll something out. Anyway. I just, just in terms of watering, because they're all right where they are. Um, but the problem's going to be that um, they ain't going to get watered and they'll be dead no. in the week and I'm going to wait for two. So no. um, I'm trying to set up some irrigation for the tomatoes because I, I, whilst I can get people to go in and water them, again, I, you know, if, if people were to forget or be unable to do it, whatever. So you're bit, coming back to a bit of a fr- fr- frazzled mess there, it's, it's a bit Well, it's a bit much <laughs> for me to expect people to take their time out just to water my tomatoes. So um, I'm just getting a drink. i try and find a solution to that. And I've, I've bought some um, irrigation tubing and, you know, like the little... Um, tap things that go on the end of it and yeah. uh so i'm going to try and put those in and it's got a little automated timer i'll make that work and what i was going to do i've got i was given this massive water butt and i was going to put it on that but the flow is not strong enough oh really something i'm gonna to have to move them to the to the what you what was the heated greenhouse at the front of the house where, yeah. which is the taps nearby so i can just run it from the tap but then i've got to make sure the tap don't drip all the time, time i'm away so it's just like oh all sorts of things to try and figure out but if i can get it to work it will, solve, Brown, do it, man. it will solve my watering <laughs> problems. It will solve yeah. my watering problems. Probably would. So, I'm going to eat a very melted bar of chocolate oh, here, mate. Oh, my goodness me. Are you sure about that? Yeah. This is a, I think it's important in a, in a in an allotment to have a little stash of when you when yeah. you put some graft in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so I've had some lovely lettuce, like romaine lettuce, off my allotment. That's been really nice. Yeah. And my, I was looking yesterday because I don't, when, I, when I went up last night did a bit of watering so put my leeks out of the weekend. And oh, yeah. Nearly killed myself, but that's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The first of the climbing beans are starting to come. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a few. Like they're only little. They're really thin at the moment. But I reckon by the weekend, with this weather, that we've got. So I'm growing a, a variety of dwarf French bean. Yeah. Called Faraday. Yeah. And I think they stay really fine. Right. You know when you buy, you can buy really fat plump yeah. beans. But yeah. I think the ones that I've got are actually specifically quite small. Yeah. yeah. And they're really good because they're early. Yeah. But um, I sowed a load more mm. because I thought that um. Certainly, that would be something that I could put in um, here or wherever. Yeah. Well, I'm treating them as an intercrop. Mm. So I've got I've got my my winter greens, my bra- my Brussels sprouts, and I've got some cauliflower and now I think and some cabbages and that. And I've actually intercropped my amethyst dwarf beans. That I've got yeah, I like those ones. In between those, they're easier to pick and all. Well, they're you easy can to spot, them. Aren't they? yeah, because they're nice bright purple. But um, 
my, my, one of my weak grounds is coming good already, and I thought the dwarf beans had come first, and they haven't. The, 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 the climbing beans have really climbed well. Well, that is amazing. Oh. I mean, mine, mine have gone... I, I'm doing an experiment this year because a couple of years ago when I was supposed to pinch them out, and we talked about this, yeah. I did pinch them out, and then they never really did well enough. So I've left them this year, and they're yeah. bending over at the top. Yeah. And to be honest with you, a strong wind might have the whole lot down, but yeah. I'm going to see what happens because yeah. they're flowering really well. They look really healthy, and I have put a lot in there. Yeah. You know, probably way too many than you're supposed yeah. to have yeah. in there. But let's just see what comes about, and yeah. that's Cobra. Um, but they're up, and they're just about yeah. to flower. But if if you know if my sort of sums are correct, by the time my first dwarf beans are done. Mm. Then I move on to my main crop, high beans. And mm. I've only got, you know, mm. um, one big wigwam of those. I think that when they're finishing, I think I'll just have that last little hurrah of dwarf French beans from this yep. sowing that I've done now. And yep. whether I keep them at home or put them in here, because I've got space here, mm. um, I think they'll be all right. I'm worried here about slug damage because I don't want to... I don't want to get down in here. I don't want to get into the protection racket. <laughs> the protection racket. <laughs> I don't want to get into the protection racket, Al. <laughs> Not quite sure that's what you mean, yeah, right? Man. Well, it is really, isn't it? I don't <laughs> yeah, want to get yeah. into that game. Um, because this is supposed to be about ease and yeah. stress-free come up, yeah. stream, you know, so it's respectable. And then, you know, have plants that once in and established mm. really do take care of themselves. So much so that I was thinking of black mypex in these beds and planting my cabbages through it even. And then just trying to keep that weed mulch down. But... I have to say, I've done that in the past, and I've, I've moved away just from it. Just get soil on the top, don't you? Just, just getting, the... you get weeds growing up through it, and then it, it gets wrecked, and then you've got to drag it off again. It just becomes another job to do. Yeah. I think, to be honest, the way you've gone with, yeah. your, with your top dressing that you've done... Yeah, and I'll just come up and hoe it. Just, back, just regular hoeing, and you, what you've got, I can see, is a few dandelions coming through. A little bit of bindweed over there, is it? A few cubits of clover, some dock over the back there. Dig it up every now and then. Well, dig up, dig up the, the big rooting ones, like your dandelions and your dock. If you can dig that out, then great. But to be honest with you, hoeing it off regularly it would do it will end, eventually it? kill it off. It's just a question of just keeping on top yeah. of that. Don't give it any chance to build up ahead of steam. I am going to cover them, though, in the winter. Over winter, definitely, yeah. And yeah. I actually think that that is a good shout for doing the black plastic rather than the Mypex. Yeah, I'll need to get a good source of that cheap yeah. black plastic. Yeah. You bite just, off the roll, don't you? But you bite off the roll, but then cut it to the size you want it and just store it well, and it'll well, keep look, it every can, year for years. Yeah, it can go machete, can't it? So yeah. I'll be on that. What I like about that is the soil underneath it, then by the spring, is just lovely and warm and, yeah. and ready to go, ready so to it go. works really well. This soil, I don't know. I don't think I'll have to re-muck it for a while. No. Because it is muck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be adverse to, like, this bed here we're looking at. It's spread a bit thin, I think. Yeah, it it'd is, probably yeah. be all right for some some crops, but yeah. to grow cabbages in there, I, dwarf beans probably be all right. It but, should be fine. Should be but fine. I would like to. I'd like to get it up to the top of the um, top of the gravel boards, you know. I but mean, if, if I were you, I would be. I would be having a program of every year, making sure that you're doing at least half the bit, half the, the the allotment with it. Mm. I mean, they would say if you were listen to listen to Dowding and all that, that it would be every year you you put a nice thick layer of mulch yeah, on every bed. Yeah. But because you started where you have, it kind of gives you a bit of a Well, I'm looking at boost, the two beds. That's proud, that one there. Look, yeah, yeah, can you see that? Yeah, yeah. By the time I've done that one and the other one, the other one's yeah. even more. So yeah. I could yeah. probably, um, I could, you know, I could probably backfill this one with those two and yeah. have them all at the yeah, same yeah. height. Yeah. And the reason I did that is because when I planted those potatoes at the top, I put half the soil in. Yeah. I didn't want to do um, ridging up. Yeah. So I put half the soil in and then put the rest well, on the it, top, yeah. put all the spuds in, in between. Yeah. 
Uh, I've seen it done, literally, where they, they just put... Dig straw, it down. I've seen straw. Yeah, I've seen straw, but I've also seen it done where, you, like you say, you've got the soil, put the spud down at the bottom, and then you just put soil on top, soil on top, and soil on top. Job done. Rather than earthing up, just yeah. cover the whole bed. So and I did ram them works. in a bit. Yeah, I did ram yeah. them in a bit. They are a bit tight, but yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick some more in That'd a minute. Right. You've got earlies, have you? I haven't done many spuds. I did well, a few. I'll get work. you a few before we go, mate. And you oh, can take some hero. home. Thank you. Very kind. You can take some home. So that's really what you know as far as as vegetables is. Is you know we're right in that bit in July where things are still just about to come. A lot of things are there. Yeah. But then that main harvest that comes through sort of August September time, we're not mm. quite in that bit yet. But it's such a lovely thing. It's when you, it's when you suddenly realise how worth it is. In my opinion. Well, what I like is, is like last night because I'd, I'd spent the weekend. I went up on Saturday afternoon in the heat, heat of the sun. Made myself really knackered and ill because I've got too much heat on me and sun on me and whatever. Not used to it in the UK, no, mate. mate are we, not, eh? not at all. Even with my nice big wide brim hat on, I was struggling at the end of the day. But I managed to get some stuff planted out and, and watered in. And I went back up last night just to make sure it was, you know, it died, frankly, because mm, it was so hot. So hot, yeah. And just give it another watering. And then I'm looking around as I'm watering and I'm going, I oh, didn't notice that courgette down there. Mm. Didn't notice that green bean over there. Oh, that cabbage looks good. And actually, as you're looking around there, and I'm looking at it, and, and my shopping bill this week was less. Yeah, brilliant. There's no doubt about it. My shopping bill this week was less because I knew that I could go to the allotment and I could pick up some of those vegetables yeah. that I might otherwise have had to buy. Yeah. And, you know, I'm never going to be self sufficient. I haven't got the, the space to do that. I, but I, I, I would say you, you could get pretty close with regards to veg. I, I think if it was just the two of us, yeah. All the time the kids are, you yeah. know, obviously they're little at the minute, and all the time they're living at home, that's more difficult. Had I got a full plot though, mm. then I should be able to do it. I think, I think, I know that we wouldn't be self-sufficient for food, but I, I certainly think that within even this small thing here, I reckon I could grow enough spuds here. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, and probably enough onions mm. with the leeks and the ones at home, mm. the overwinter. Mm. You know, I'm done then for that. Yeah. Bit. Self-sufficient in some areas, at least, don't you? So, have you managed to preserve potato any? gratin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you managed to preserve any of yours this year, then, or not? No, I've eaten, it. I've eaten it all. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, and that kind of leads me to that. That I think that there have been times where I have not picked or eaten things because I want them in the ground, and it's like, you know, I've got to get my head round. No, eat what's there yeah. ready and then and then have something to go in. Don't mm. try and sort of eat them out because they look nice or look good or whatever. Mm. It's about, you know, I'm eating the spuds because they're there. Yeah. And the carrots, I could leave them and they would get a bit bigger. Yeah. But no, I'm eating them now because they're ready. But an example of that, I had my, my Oregon sugar pod, the first the first sowing yeah. I did. And um, there was a few plants in there that were still doing all right, but there, was nothing, there wasn't enough really to make a decent nah. crop of it. I could have left some for seed. But actually, I've got a load of Brussels sprouts and yeah, need someone to go. Bang them in. So they came out of the weekend. The Brussels sprouts have yet to go in, but they will. And they're in nice big pots. They'll stand where they are for the time being. Yeah. The plan will be, before I go away on holiday next week, to get them in the ground. Yeah. And then they'll be self-sufficient themselves over the summer. They shouldn't need too much looking after. Nah, they'd be great. Uh, as long as you get occasional bit of rain. If it stays hot like this for very long, it'd be a pro- problem. No. But so for me, it's not, not really been about um, <laughs> storing or anything like that. No. But it has been about remembering when things come good and stuff. And mm. like... You know, I'm always pleased for those overwintering onions because yeah. they're ready and I'm eating them now mm. and and they are that bit before, yeah. you know, the main crop onions have come out. And I actually was looking at the snowball variety, that's what it's called, it's a white onion, and they actually reckon that that will keep till Christmas anyway. Right. So, okay. you know, growing enough of those, you know, and then going on to a Sturon or a, yeah. one of these other yellow varieties <clears throat> would be brilliant. And I think also now... Having that bit more space up here, I wouldn't feel guilty about putting some shallots in. No, no. And I always thought, when you look at them, 
I always thought that shallots would actually be, um, you know, I'd need to eat them first. Mm. But they're actually the longest keeper. Are they? And no. I didn't know that. No. I didn't know that until I was reading up about mm. it. And Because what I was actually looking at was whether there was a good storing over wintering onion. Mm. Um, because I want them out so I can get something else in. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, because onions go through till September. I mean, you could really mm. leave them in till September if you mm. wanted. And then, but then it's not a lot you can plant on mass at that point, no, is there? No. So I was thinking, you know, what can I do when those when those white onions are out? And if they would keep, you know, maybe till November, yeah. that's that suddenly then I'm really into the, yeah. you know, into the self sufficiency, which which is what I'm after. Mm. Um, so so the so so the actual storage of things hasn't really been high on the list at the moment, and I think that for a lot of what I'm growing. I'm probably going to have to rely more on a freezer than anything else, you know, yeah. um, because I seem to be growing a bit more seasonally this year. Yeah. Get it, eat it. Yeah. You know, this sweet corn, look at it. Yeah. It's not, I'm not going to freeze that. No. I'm, we're going to eat it. Yeah. And we might have a sweet corn party, but we're going to, <laughs> we're going to eat it. And it, we might not meet much else for two weeks, but when it's good, oh, it's great, isn't it? Makes some, makes, oh, makes some moonshine out of it, mate. Corn liquor. Yeah, we should do it. We should, I know a man who knows a man. We should definitely do it. I have to say, mate, you might go blind, but it'll be worth it. Butter and salt, mate. I oh, think yeah. it's going to win every time. Oh, I have I to know. tell you. Salt and chili and lime, mate. You're going to. That's pretty good too. Quite interesting to see how. Normally, I've only ever had single stem here. No, you get that. I've never had that before. No. Um, no. No. I've always just had they the come up with a secondary stem. stem. I don't know. I've never seen them come too much though. No. I have to say. But it'd be interesting yeah. to see how they grow. And, yeah. and they're not all seven foot, but right. they look so healthy, don't they? They and, look really healthy. And I can tell you now, mate, I've not weeded or watered them. No. And I've not weeded or watered those either. <laughs> and we've been lucky with the combination of rain and, and heat. But mm. but certainly the um, leeks that are behind you, when I put them in, they looked like just limp bits of mm. grass. Mm. And, then, and it was really hot and I was really worried. I came up and they were all standing up, boom, mm. all taken. Because wow. I, I didn't do any of this dibbing in and waiting for the water no. to fill it up. No, I, I planted them. I did the same as well. Mine at the weekend. Whether they'll come to anything or not remains to be seen. But they were doing all right yesterday when I went back up there. So we shall see. But anyway, shall we um, shall we leave that there for yep. the catch up, what we've been doing? We're going to come back and we promised we'd talk about some bees today, didn't we? So we're going to come back and we're going to talk a bit about beekeeping. Damn right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. So we said we'd talk a bit about beekeeping. And uh, obviously we talk about this quite a bit, especially through the summer months, don't we? And it comes up uh, in passing a lot. And uh, we get quite a lot of, I think probably it's the thing that gets most commented on if we put anything on the on the uh, Facebook group. Um, sort of most people sort of comment about the beekeeping, being pleased to hear about it, wanting to know more. It's fascinating, isn't it? It really is. So we thought we'd just do another section on it, really. Um, and let's talk a little bit about it. And, and maybe that will drive conversation. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But... Um, I think one of the things that, that I came across recently was a question about keeping bees and how you would go about it. Um, and that somebody was, that was talking about, you know, wanting to do it as a way of uh, helping the bees. Yeah. Because I think everyone's aware that pollinators are struggling. Um, There's been a lot of um, information over the last 10 years, which has filtered down to the layman about bees are in trouble and, and this, so on and so forth. Mm. And that's quite true, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And I think that there's a lot of people who are concerned about the stories that they've heard about, um, you know, the, the the sheer amount of colonies of bees in the wild and mm. kept colonies yeah. plummeting, which 
certainly yeah. did happen. Yep. I'm not saying that I've got an up-to-date kind of knowledge of where that no. is now. No. Um, I certainly think that there is still a depressed number of bees in the area because I just know from from what what I've seen, mm. you know. And um, I've got a feeling that that got linked back to um, a nicotinoid-based pesticide, yep. um, which was being used, which then had subsequently had an impact on bees through a, a particularly nasty kind of um, occurrence called colony collapse disorder. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my own understanding, yep. but... You know, I don't claim to be any expert in that. And, you know, before that, we had a different kind of disease, illness or parasite called Varroa, which then, you know, all of these things serve to leave your colonies in a weakened state, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also, I think, as well as that, I think people have got, uh, have certainly got more of a, of a wish to understand the provenance of their food and where it yeah. comes from. Yeah. And, and. And perhaps more than ever, the importance that bees play in pollination and producing mm. food, as well as being a producer of food themselves, yeah. i.e. the honey, yeah. I think a lot of people are more aware of that, mm. and, and, and rightly so, you yeah, know, absolutely. rightly so, rightly so. Absolutely, and I think that kind of follows on the kind of principles that we have in everything that we do, isn't it, of you know, doing our best to make a, at least to not make a negative impact on our environment as best as we can. Uh, and in terms of producing our own food, this is just another string to the bow, isn't it, as a, as a beekeeper? It's certainly a string to the bow of producing your own food. And, I mean, honey's well nice, isn't it? Let's be <laughs> yeah. honest. Right? That's the reason I'm a beekeeper, let's be true. Honey's amazing. <laughs> and I never liked honey when I was a kid. No, me neither. No, it wasn't until I tasted proper honey, it was amazing. But for me, it's also, it's also such a passport into a wider world of nature yeah and environmentalism and learning about those beautiful rhythms man get them mm. natural rhythms out but it's, it's there's so many things that you learn about about different species of trees about different pollens and then once you start getting into the what goes on inside a hive that is like unbelievable isn't it? it's like a magic realm man yeah there's, there's some yeah. crazy stuff goes on in there what i like is, is that people go oh yeah the queen's in charge isn't she yeah. As if she's got any control, it's yeah. brilliant. And you're like, they've seen the bee movie or whatever it is, or Maya and the Bee or whatever it's called, those kids' movies that you get, and mm. completely misleading. And I think you know, it's important that people know what's really going on, actually. And, and I think probably the place to start then is if you're out there and you're thinking, actually, I'd, I'd be quite interested in getting into beekeeping. Yeah. For me, I think the first question you need to ask yourself is, is what is it I'm hoping to get out of it? Mm. What, what's my objective from doing this? Because there are so many different ways of looking at it, so many different things that people want to try and get out of it. And actually, by understanding what it is that you want to get out of it, will help you make better decisions at the start. Um, so it might be that you're looking because you want to produce some honey, you know, yeah. and you fancy getting some honey. And it might be that you're, you're thinking, actually, I want to produce quite a lot of honey, and so I want to be able to sell some of it, maybe, in, as, a, as a revenue stream. Or it might be you're just looking to, to produce enough for yourself and your family. It might be that you're interested in helping the bees and helping the environment, and you're aware that there are pollinators mm. and there are problems with pollinators, and that you're thinking that, actually, I can, I can help. Yeah, yeah by, by providing some habitat for the bees. I'll tell you what else, mate. That, yeah. If you're a landowner and you've got crop, yep. I mean, that chap who who owns the farm where we keep some yep. colonies, he'd have them there, never mind the honey. He said yeah, the yeah. pollination on like, his field beans was unbelievable. He won't take my honey. No, he won't take my honey. Um, but he's, yeah, he was he was made up with it, and the, the bean crop's been the best he's ever had, and he wants a load more hives yeah. up there. So yeah. I'm looking at that, and I'm going to be getting some more hives up there as yeah. soon as I can. Brilliant. You know, keep him happy, and, and that gives us more space to, to keep bees. So that's that's amazing. So if you are producing other crops that are pollinated by bees, then it's certainly a good shout to keep. Well, if you've got an orchard, you're yeah. in, you, yeah. you 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 want a beehive. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely, probably. 
Um, so from that point of view, or maybe it's it's the wax that you're after and you want to make something with the wax. Perhaps you're looking at candles or wax wraps or making salves and that sort of thing, soaps with it. Um, so I, I think understanding what it is you're hoping to get out of it is probably the place to start. If you're like us, it's all of it. <laughs> I think eventually it ends up being all of it, doesn't yeah, it? Does, it? Doesn't it? it does, because you end up with, you know, inevitably you end up with byproducts or or a glut of something and then you're like, well, how am I going to deal with this? And that is never a problem for me. It's, you know, it's just it's an, a new thing to try and, a new opportunity to try and find something else, isn't it? So I, th- I think in this day and age as well, you know, a lot of people are turned off from, you know, refined <laughs> sugar production. Yeah. And they might be looking for that natural um, you know, use of honey as a as yeah. a as a product, and and certainly with my prep, prepping home homesteading hat on, yeah. If I can't buy sugar, I'm all right. Yeah, you know, I yeah. can still make my bread. I've still got mm. a, a facility to make alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> I've still got I've still got the opportunity to you know baking and mm. all of those things. And you know, I might have to alter slightly what I'm doing and quantities, but I I don't know how to make sugar. But I do know how to make honey or yeah. facilitate someone else yeah. making it. Yeah. You know, That's and... something we should try making sugar from sugar beet. Yeah. I can't be that old. No, but it's not that nice either. No. Rather eat the honey, mate. <laughs> and, you know, certainly in my in my in my life, you know, when I when I was young and I used to eat golden syrup on my porridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't now. No, I you know, I have something else. Yeah, and it's yeah. better. And it's better for yeah. me, I reckon, as yeah, well. Um, as well as all the health benefits and yeah. things like that. But um yeah, I think, you know, there are many reasons. And what I do know is that getting into beekeeping is considerably cheaper now than it has ever been. And it yeah, used to we be looking, a lot of money. It's quite cheaper than I money. thought it was going to be. I have it to say, we're lot, looking at it today, aren't we? It used to be a lot of money. And, you know, we just did a brief search, didn't we, today, to see how much a hive with some frames and everything you would need was... And like all things, if you are someone who perhaps doesn't really have the full understanding of what you need and where you can buy things, you can go online mm. and you can buy a full kit with all the protective equipment and the smoker and the tool. I think it was two seventy five, wasn't yeah. it? Two seventy five. Yeah. No bees. But, no bees. But everything but hive with everything else. You everything need else you need. And you, you know, let's be honest. If you didn't want to, you could eat the comb. Yeah, and it'd be all right. Yeah, or you could scrape it off with a spoon yeah, into yeah. a jar, and I do crush and strain. You could strain it, or yeah. you could, yeah, you could. You, you could, don't need an extractor no. at that point, do you? Um, but subsequent digging would f- find everything except the um, equipment side, so the the actual hive and the um, the frames and the wax for about one hundred and fifteen pound, mm. and certainly the things that you were getting on top in that package didn't sum up to that. Next, well, you, you, when you're saying on top, you're talking about the protective equipment, the smoker, and the tool. You're, lo- you're looking at a suit, yeah. a smoker, and a hive tool. Yeah. And I reckon you can pick that up for 55, 60 quid. I think you probably can now. Yeah. Well, I know because my last suit was £26. Whereas when I started, which is not that long ago, my first yeah. suit was about 70 quid. Yeah. On its own. And it's mad. Yeah. And there are some really good, and literally talking about eBay or Amazon here, yeah. there are some really good suppliers now. Simon the Beekeeper certainly won. Yeah. What was the name of the site we were uh, looking B- on? B equipment.co.uk is one that yeah. I often use. Yeah. And they, they're pretty reasonably priced on the whole. Yeah. So, um, the only, you know, and you can start with one colony of bees, but I don't know anyone who keeps one colony because it's because, one becomes two. Because bee maths. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But <laughs> it's all, like chicken maths. Yeah, but also it's much easier actually to keep two colonies than one colony because if something goes wrong, yeah. it's actually better. But, you know, and being honest, if you had a friend who was it, you could both keep one and swap if you needed you, you to. You know me, mate. I, I advocate keeping five. 
I know you do, but if you were getting started and you couldn't afford five... You've, you've got to start somewhere, don't get me wrong, mm. right? But I would advocate if you're going to do it um, and, you're, and you're really serious about keeping it and you're trying to be self-sufficient in honey for the yeah, year... Yeah, that's different. Then it? if that's your aim, then, then keeping five is the way to go, but yeah. certainly keeping more than one... Well, I kept two for idea. about 10 years when yeah. I started yeah. and, and I was scrabbling around for old bits of kit that yeah. people would donate and stuff like that and it didn't all fit and I had to repair yeah. it and stuff. And, and I think that, you know, looking at how hard it is to make beekeeping equipment at the beginning, mm. I'd actually advocate buying a kit like that. Especially yeah. if I could get that kit for £115, yeah. a super hive body, frames, frames wax, yeah. I don't think there's a lot wrong with that. No. Because I can tell you now, the, the, the frames and the wax is probably £35. Well, that's come down in price since even a few years ago. Yeah, that's that's incredible. It? I mean, yeah. you know, when I was looking at it before... And once you get going, and you've got one there, you can copy it. It's easier. Yeah. You yeah. can make some frames and boxes and what have you. But, you know, I think that that... I thought that that represented quite a good value for money. Whereas, if you'd have asked me about three weeks ago, is it good value? I'd have said no. But, mm. it, you know, it was quite an eye-opener, like definitely, you said, wasn't definitely it? Definitely come down in price in the last two or three years. Because we were looking at... Over 200 quid for that sort of setup. Yeah. Even quite recently when we've been buying, yeah. like where we work, they've, they've asked us to set some yeah. hives up there. And that, and that was, um, I think it's about 220 quid for a similar setup. Yeah. So it's come down significantly in price in, in recent years. So so talking about equipment, different hive types. Because yeah. I think different hive types lend themselves quite well to different styles of beekeeping. And that's where my, come, my point about motivation, uh, your motivation comes in. Yeah, what's your reason for keeping bees? Yeah, well, the one that I've, I'm very dubious of is this, this honey flow hive that you yep. see online where you don't even open it, do you? You just no. sort of spin a lever and then it cracks yep. everything open and honey mm. drips out of it. Now, I've got no first-hand experience of that. No. And maybe it works fine, but I don't, you still have to go in a hive to know what's going on and what you learn. And I reckon if you just had a honey flow hive, it wouldn't be long before you didn't have any bees. That's what I reckon. That, that's my concern, I have to say. It's, it's a nice gimmick, isn't it? And I'm sure it's a very effective tool, but you'd still need to be a beekeeper. It's very disruptive, though, isn't it? I think so. Anyway, I don't know enough about that. But, you know, going back to, you know, and people can research these. The bog standard hive in the UK is called the National. Mm. And it's a square box that stacks up on top of each other. And I would certainly encourage people who are going to keep a number of colonies to probably go down that route if you were looking at honey production mm. um, with, 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 the, with the mood to maybe jar your honey mm. and sell it or or have it for storage. Yeah. And I think if you were, you know, concerned about having it as the product of honey, that's what I would go for. And, I, and for me, I would, I would advocate if you're going for real, like, pure honey production, mm. the standard national deep. Is, is the way to go but yeah. but in terms of looking after your bees which I think probably most people on our sort of Facebook group and that listen to this would also advocate that taking care of the bees was important too um, I would advocate again the deep national ones that we use which yeah. is the 14 by 12 or the jumbo as it's sometimes called and the reason for that is the frames are deeper um, and it means that when you when we harvest at the end of the year whatever's in the super there's plenty of space still down in, yeah. the, in the in the main body and plenty of honey typically down in the main body yeah. for the bees over winter. So we don't have to feed our bees over the winter. So that's, that's really important. So that's a national standard or a national, they call them jumbo or yeah. 14 by 12 yeah. sometimes. Yeah. So if I was going for honey production, that's what I would use. If I wanted to jar it and yeah. store it. Yeah. But if I was going for just having some bees and having the odd jar of honey or maybe the odd comb of honey which obviously is a different thing, hmm. I would certainly be going down a top bar hive. Yeah. 
and I really like the look of Waray hives, mm. which is a French model. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's built on the same principle. It's a stacking system of boxes, but you don't have to have frames or starter. You put um, strips of wood across the top, which yeah. they then build down from. Yeah. But smaller colonies. Mm. So, you know, the, the danger of Waray hives is that things can get pretty full up pretty quick, and then mm. you might have to get into some more so, experienced kind of techniques of splitting them up or mm. making more colonies or mm. um, you know kind of being put putting up with some swarming and then and then maybe losing things so so let's talk about the, the top bar idea then because they both use that top bar idea don't they yeah so the, the so the in terms of the um the top bar hive typically they're almost like a, a box on legs aren't they a wide box yeah like and there's two types almost, even aren't they sometimes yeah, there's, yeah. there's two types there's some that taper towards the bottom of it yeah um, and the others are just a square box. And mm. for ease, I'd probably use a square box, if I'm honest with you. Mm. And what you do is you lay some um, slats across the top of it with, with maybe a starter strip of wax, and then the bees build down from that themselves, mm. and they occupy the space, and you manage how big it is or how small it is. It's probably the most akin to a natural way of yeah, keeping yeah. bees. Um, I think the thing to say is that the whole point of having the strips is it makes it easier for us as beekeepers. If you're... If you're purely trying to look after the bees in inverted commas and you're giving the bees somewhere to live, um, actually just going for a log hive is, is probably a better way to go. Well, you don't even need a hive, mate. Don't just need a hive. Hollow, hollow out a log and stick yeah, it up in a tree does. somewhere, yeah, leave or, it or even, or even a nice big one, leave it on the ground. Or if you can and you've got you know space and you've got old dead trees, don't cut them down. No. Just leave them up for the bees. That's the most important thing any of us can do is leave cavities for the bees to move into. But the top bars enable us to get the bees to, to build nice straight combs, which they won't do naturally. When they when they build naturally, it's kind of higgledy-piggledy and all over the place, isn't it? And we want nice straight combs because it enables us to lift them out of the boxes easier to see what's going yeah. on inside, um, which is where um, the top bars come in, isn't it? It's to encourage them to build down straight yeah, so that it's easier for us as the bees To manage, yeah. yeah. And, and there is a good balance there. I think it's a very natural way of keeping bees, and I know plenty of people who keep top bar hives and don't ever extract their honey. They're no. not worried right about that, mm. um, and the colony grows and slows as as the years go on mm. and stuff like that. But you know, we what we're not going to do here is give you that you know real in depth kind of look because I've never kept a top bar hive to no. be honest. I'd like to have one. Mm. I'd like to have one here actually, but yeah. um, but that would be something you could explore. So if you were someone. You know, just to recap, maybe looking for honey jarred honey, then go down the national sort yeah. of route. If you were looking at maybe keeping bees for having bees and pollination and maybe the mm. odd bit, then then I'd stick with either a top bar or a warray hive. And I probably wouldn't do a lot more than that. Well, the nice thing about a top bar hive is that if you wanted a little bit of honey, what you can do then is to almost sort of slide the roof to one side without, yeah. when we open ours up, we have to take the whole top off, don't we? Yeah. So we expose the whole nest to the sunlight, which yeah. makes the bees all a bit angsty, funnily enough, because they like living in the dark. Uh, whereas when you do with the top of the hive, you can sort of slide it to one side, and then that should enable you to lift out, and it's always the honey that's kept to the outside, isn't it? Yeah. So the brood nest is in the centre, and then they build out the stores from the from from the centre to the outside. So you just open up just one end, yeah. potentially take out a frame of, of honey, take that away, go and eat it, and yeah. the bees don't even almost notice you've been there, is kind of the idea. So, obviously, the thing that you can't really buy or read is the experience of doing it. Yeah. And I do think that it is something that is far better shown. And if you can get in contact with your local beekeeping organisation and then go along to a day or, you know, at a country fair or something like that, get talk. there will always be beekeepers there, get mm. talking to them. Find someone who you can go and have a walk around with before you buy anything and see if it's for you and if you really want to do it. Mm. Um, because I think that you'll find quite quickly whether it's something you like or you don't like once yeah, you get yeah. into a hive. 
um, and we've had people who are fascinated by it and have come out with us and and then I see them I see that there does seem to be this bit where you, you show people the inside and they're really into it but there's that inertia about oh I could get one of those mm. you know and maybe it's because they don't then think that they've got the space and that's probably the next thing that we should yeah. talk about yeah. is it's all very well knowing what hive to buy but where can I put it? <laughs> well, I, 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 the first thing I would say is probably not in your garden unless your garden is enormous. Yeah, yeah, I think you're um, right. You know, I think I know people that do it, um, but it causes problems. And I know that I've had them at home and it's caused problems. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, ideally you're going to need to know somewhere where you... Says can... me, with a colony on his chicken shed. <laughs> yeah, only temporarily though. Right? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's only a nuke in it. It's only luckily little. caught that swarm, but I've, I've done that in the garage. It's not luck, mate. It's down. not luck. It wasn't no, luck. It was skill, was it? put there. That, yeah, that yeah. colony was put there. Was that, was that the one that I did up for you and you said, just stick the, that up somewhere high? You put that in there and said, give it, you gave it to me and I stuck it there. But the right. placement... And the orientation is that was what it key, was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to go with the the, the baked in inside. Yeah, yeah. The, definitely two, the work inside. Two pound of lemon oil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I would be encouraging people to find either a farmer or a farm or somewhere like that. And people are all going, "Where am I going to find a farm?" I mean, literally, I would talk to people and say, "You know, I really like to have some bees. You know, anyone who's got a bit of land mm. or a bit of old, you know, you know, a bit of woodland doesn't need to be a nice field. You know." In fact, it probably needs not to be a nice field, you know. Think about places which are full of weeds and weed trees, you know. That's mm. why station masters used to keep bees yeah. because, you know, railway sidings are the perfect place for beekeepers. Mm. Anyway, you know, we're, we live in a semi-rural location. We do live in a rural location. and well, you do. There, there, yeah. are, there are people who can keep bees in the town. Mm. People do in my town. Yeah, yeah no, for fact. absolutely, on, on rooftops and in yeah. gardens and things like that. But... Just having that little bit of quiet space. Maybe you've got a friend who's got a horse and they could pick, pick, pick you a bit off of the paddock. You know, like yeah. I'm trying to think for real examples for people. Yeah. Where I, the other the other one is to not overlook. Um, you know, I'm thinking about real urban locations. Yeah. Know, to not overlook your local industrial estate. Yeah, absolutely. Or your local business. Garage or, roofs, mate. The or lot. your local pub or any yeah. of those places where they might have a field that doesn't get used very much. Yeah, I that, totally that agree. They can then just allow you to put in. It needs to be out of the way so people don't notice it and the bees aren't going to cause a problem. Um, yeah, so and, to, and yeah. I would say you need to be able to get to it in your car because yeah. it, it, it can get really heavy work on yeah, it. Later it does, on it does make it easier if you can get close to it in your car. But I think the more you think a little bit outside of the box in terms of where they could go uh, and, and then approaching the right people, the more likely you are to be successful. Yeah, ask questions. And then and then go and have a look with a beekeeper and, and kind mm. of try and try and shadow someone and then build up, even if it's for a year, you know, so that you help them out, and then and then you might build up the confidence to then get your own colony and stuff like that. And mm. I and I would say that that's very important, really important. But mm. I suppose what else we should talk about is that if you were st if you was interested in keeping bees, but you didn't perhaps want to keep honeybees, mm. there are things that you can put in your garden yeah. which would you know yeah. perhaps encourage different kinds of bee yeah. populations. If you were not so worried about the honey bit, and you were more worried about the um, you know the pollination part, or perhaps you know. Um, you know the environmental reasons of keeping bees i mean there's so many things available online now about how to build bee houses and you can stuff buy like bumblebee that. colonies oh yeah absolutely so like, i wouldn't advocate buying honeybee colonies necessarily but 
if that's the route you want to go down. There are plenty there of are, ways are you could do that, aren't there? And yeah. you can do them in your garden, you know, the little bits of bamboo cut up and then put into a sort of wooden frame to make a really simple yeah. um, thing for mining and bees yeah. or masonry bees or yeah. wood bees, whatever they are. There's, there's, yeah. I don't know how many varieties there are, um, how many species of bees there are, but there are a lot. But yeah. certainly within my garden, you know, I know that in my rock wall there's always at least at least two colonies of short white-tailed bumblebees, yeah. always. Um, obviously got honeybees there at the moment and then I've got masonry bees in my chimney stack yeah. and then I've probably got other varieties yeah. of wasp and bee going in and using those mm. kind of bamboo tunnels for they're solitary bees though yeah. but, but, and you I know. think the other thing is that, that people tend to miss uh, identify bees and wasps and well, I can tell you now, I've got wasps in one of wasps in one of my bird boxes. Yeah, and, and, and people got, tend to be terrified of wasps. And I've got, and I've certainly got a hornet colony somewhere yeah. as well because yeah. they're all over the garden. I love yeah. hornets; they're incredible, they're amazing things. I think they? they're incredible, yeah. mate. Um, but so you know, not to be afraid of, of those being around as well. I think you know, people sort of, oh, I've got a wasp nest. I'm going to get the the, the the exterminator out or whatever. I think a wasp nest um, in your house is different. Yeah, I think it depends on where it is. But you know, with many of those bees, unlike honeybees, they don't persist, do they? No, they don't go through the winters, so, just the queen who overwinters. So the queen so. overwinters and then flies off and finds somewhere else to live. So if you can manage to, you know, put up with them for a year. Live alongside them. Just, then, yeah, yeah, live with them. Then they'll be gone by the spring anyway, or by the, by the Christmas time anyway, when it's cold. And, and so, you know, to try and just live with them and not worry about it too much, if you can, is, is really important. Yeah, yeah, um, right. Anyway, getting off track there. So, so certainly thinking about what it is that you want to do, making sure you've got the right equipment, trying to find a suitable spot for them to go into. Yeah. And then, and then again, always keeping more than you need. Yeah, yeah. and finding yeah. find people who are into it. So, your local beekeeping association, if you ring them up, and every county's got one, you literally type in where which part of the UK you're in, local beekeepers association, and then whatever your name of your county is, yeah. and there'll be subdivisions, and they'll give you a name, yeah. and you just maybe go up to a couple of their meetings. They love having new people go along to those things. You'll learn so much about it, and. Um, it doesn't mean you've got to become an association member or anything like that. No. It just might give you that kickstart and confidence that you need. And you might get into that side of it, you know, and they, um, you know, developing your your skills and techniques and getting some accreditation and, and all those sorts of things. And, you know, they even have all talks through the winter and stuff like yeah. that. There's a lot of knowledge to be gained there. Yeah. So, Yeah, and I, and I think the other thing to say is that with that is that, as we've said before, as many different ways of, of beekeeping as you can find. You, yeah, for every beekeeper, they've got their own way of doing it, haven't they? Absolutely. And I think that, that just because you go along and you learn a particular way, and, and very much my experience, at least, of my understanding, is that you'll get a lot of people who, who, who suggest use of chemicals and stuff like that, which you wouldn't use in your garden, probably, if you're listening to this. Uh, and it doesn't have to be done like that, is the point I'm trying to make. Absolutely uh, not. You know, you do it your own way, can't you? And you, and you learn and, and read and... You know, advocate the treatment free beekeepers. It's Facebook got to be. Group. You got to remember, it's one of the most ancient forms of of food and farming. Yeah. You know, we're talking millennia. Yeah. And so it's been it's been done successfully for all that time. Yeah. And perhaps some of the modern things that we've done have not helped the health and ecosystem, which bees are you know a massive part of. Yeah. But also, going back to what Alan was saying at the beginning, what you're doing it for. You know, if your only aim is to make as much honey as possible, mm. you are going to do everything you can, be it at the cost of the health of the bees or mm. the, you know, the quality of the, you know, life that they might lead, mm. to increase your profit margin. Mm. Whereas I think that most people probably are recognising now that that doesn't have that level of provenance that we want. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah. 
you know, we have bees around. I'm not sure we always keep them. <laughs> we try. <laughs> well, we're bee havers rather than bee keepers, man, because the truth is we're not very good at keeping them, as it's been proven this year. But, but what we are very good at... It was I'll tell also... you what, we must have some allure. Oh, we hey, definitely... We're good, we're, good at, we're good at bringing them in away. We're sexy to bees, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, mate, well... I don't, I, Can I, we top that? Or is I that think time that's going to be up? you, not me, mate. I think that's definitely you. Definitely you. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say we had a bit of natural allure, mate, and perhaps we got some nice conditions. My pheromone, mate. Yeah, what it is. Is your queen yeah, substance. Yeah. Quite, yeah. <laughs> dear, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. So, so definitely. But I, I think really to encourage people to have a think about if they if they could do it, how they would do it, and I, and it's not as complicated. There's no mysticism really. It seems magical and mystical. It's not. Watch a load of videos. Yeah. Try and find someone who does it. Get out and have a go. And then if you want to do it, just get get going and, and yeah. see. And, and and now's not a bad time even. You know, it's mm. a bit later in the season, but you could probably then pick up your, your hive and your swarm or your over overwintered colony or a nuke or whatever, you know, or someone yeah. once people know you're into it, you know, especially if you get through an association, someone will sort you out with some mm. bees. You might have to pay for them, but you know, if not, get that little nuke box up and put it out. It's still probably not even that late. Well, I caught one yesterday. It's so. getting late in it, but we've we've caught two swarms August, in the last, mate. last five August. days, so it's not August. out of, not out of the question. It's possible, uh, especially with the late season we've had this year. Um, so definitely worth thinking. And I think perhaps at some point we probably should come back and talk a little bit more about depth of sort of life cycle of bees and and how the colony inside works as well. Yeah, absolutely, I think people are quite interested in that. Um, but the other thing to say as well is that you know if you are interested and you, you know, I would encourage people to take the plunge and have a go. Um, and if you do get stuck, you know, there's so many places for information these days. I, d- I do know. not come from a long line of beekeepers. No. no. I, I saw a geezer once and I thought, oh, I'll have some of that. I'm going to yeah. learn that. And that's how I learned. Yeah. And everyone but, starts but somewhere. these days, it's even easier than when you were doing it because you've got Facebook groups coming Good out of your ears. Of course, yeah. It would, and yeah. you stick it up on there and go, what's going on in my colony with a nice picture next to it? Within a few minutes, somebody's on there going, oh, I think it's this and I think it's that. Absolutely. And you'll get conflicting views because you always do when you do that. But, but you try and filter through the... Nonsense, I bet it, it ain't hard out, to find a list of local beekeepers, nah. and then you could just nah. ring them up and say, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I've just thought of a better way because it's part of the law here that if you want to sell your honey yeah. in a shop, you have yeah. to have your name and address and yeah. tell a phone number on it. So go down your local shop, buy some honey, and then ring up the person on it and say, <laughs> yeah. I'd really like to learn beekeeping. Can you help me? And they'll probably say, Yeah, <laughs> well, my one on the gate's got my address on it, so yeah, yeah and the email address and everything, so they easily get, get hold of me from that. No problem at all. It's the way forward, mate. So definitely encourage people to get out there and do it. Hopefully that's been interesting and useful to people that are interested in getting started. We will at some point come back and talk a bit more about the life cycle of the bees and, and what goes on inside the hive, I think, because I think that's interesting to people. Yep. Um, maybe if, if we get a chance to perhaps record a few bits of video to go with it, perhaps without your face in it, because I'm going to break my camera. Hey, mate. Taste for radio. Uh, <laughs> but, but perhaps a few bits of video that we can put up on the Facebook group at least so people can see what's going on and actually we can illustrate what we mean. Yeah. And that'd be worthwhile, certainly. wouldn't it? So. And you're going to take a few pics of here. I'll take a little video of here, if that's all right with you. And Absolutely uh, fine with me, mate. I'll put that up on the Facebook group. Anyway, so thank you very much to everybody for listening. We'll call it quits for there for today. See you later. I uh, really do appreciate your support. If you've enjoyed listening, um, please do get on the Facebook group if you haven't already. Give us a follow, give us a like, subscribe and all that stuff on your um, podcast apps that you're using. Uh, it's been really interesting lately. We've had a little little uptick in uh, people coming into the Facebook group, but also in, in sort of listenership as well, um, which has been really nice to see. So thank you very much if you're involved in that and you're one of our newer listeners. Uh, obviously, we've got a back catalogue going back for over a year now. Um, and so, you know, we tend to record fairly seasonally. So if you're interested in what was going on this time last year, uh, you'll be able to find that information on, on the podcast channel there and, and re-listen to those. 
Um, hopefully we, we are managing to keep things fresh and interesting. If you've got any ideas or things you want to hear us talk about, please stick them on the Facebook group. We will try and get around to those uh, as, as soon as we can. Um, and we really do appreciate your support. So thanks very much for listening. We'll see, speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye.